79 minutes into the World Cup, I tweeted out something to the effect of, if this game is going to become a contest, it has to do it soon. A minute or so later, Neil responded to me saying, no, France are deflated, this is done. Two minutes later, the score was 2 all. We went from having a completely one-sided game where France didn't even have a shot on target until they scored to in the last 10 minutes and extra time, what people are now calling the greatest final in the history of the competition. And Lionel Messi has won his World Cup. Uh, It's a remarkable end. Um, Whether or not it's a great game from beginning to end is another matter. But perhaps you need that swing to really invest some sort of emotion into it. But it's what we're here to talk about today, that that remarkable ending as much as anything else. Um, So Joe and Neil, start out with that then, that that swing around, uh, how everything went from being a, a fairly typical World Cup final where only one team turns up to madness in the space of two minutes i mean i tweeted out probably about around the 75 minute mark it would be a good idea if france brought mbappe on so when you when you think of a narrative like it, it, it's not the same story if, if france turn up in the first 75 minutes but and for the for the first 75 minutes they were they were nowhere like it, it looked like a complete mismatch argentina were all over them if anything Argentina should have been miles out of sight by then. And the only argument you could make, the only thing that they did wrong was that they perhaps weren't, they hadn't killed off the game already. But in terms of drama, what a game. I was exhausted by the end of it. Having reflected on it, and obviously having made such like a catastrophically bad call about, about France being completely done with, I mean, it does show you how quickly games can turn around, actually, doesn't it? Um, and it's by far the you know, it's 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 by far not the first time that's happened in a World Cup final either. I mean, my mind immediately went, went to uh, to 1986 when Argentina were tuning up and cruising against West Germany. Suddenly found themselves going into extra time, well, almost about to go into extra time at two all before you know they managed to kind of score in the 80 something minutes to make it three two. So it, it it can happen. And momentum in football games can swing very very quickly. But I think you know having kind of watched it back again and and kind of seen the, I guess, the uh, the patterns of play and, and, and what was happening. As soon as Argentina started to kind of, inverted commas, manage the game, I think that was quite dangerous. Because I think, you know, while they were pressing over the pitch with McAllister and, uh, you know, Rodrigo de Paul and, you know, running around and making life difficult for France, it didn't look like France were going to get back into it. And then suddenly I think they did drop back a bit too far France's substitutions made a difference. So, you know, Chiram, Mouani, you know, they made a they made a big difference. Um, Coman made a, a huge difference. And suddenly kind of the penalty meant that then there was a game on. And, um, you know, it only, only took that sort of, you know, dumb error from Otamendi to get France back into it, really. And then it was, I mean, big players turn up, don't they, when when a game's on the line like that and that Mbappe volley you can't legislate for that that was just a a brilliant goal and and obviously then extra time itself was complete chaos but um yeah Argentina perhaps on reflection Scaloni should have just kept things how it was made some substitutions to keep the energy levels high and just bullied France out of it but instead they tried to manage the game more conservatively and actually it ends up backfiring on them. So which was the more important set of the substitutions in that 10 minutes then? Is it taking off 
Angel Di Maria, who had rolled back the years. Uh, another 30-something who uh, had quite a, an important game. Uh, taking him off and putting Marcus Acuna on at 64 minutes, or was it the 71st minute, the double switch uh, with Coman and Camavinga coming on for Teo and Griezmann? I mean, because it's 10 minutes or so before any any goal actually comes in, but it's not long after, around the time of the substitution that Mbappe actually has France's first attempt. Yeah, Acuna had a disastrously bad game. He was absolutely awful I mean but that's the thing though you're putting a left back on to play left wing you know which I suppose like in theory is managing the game but actually it was yeah it did it did um if he'd played if he'd played well I, I think you could have said oh you know Scaloni made a, a wise tactical change but he came on and actually just gave the ball away time and time again but certainly I, I do think like Camavinga sitting back in that left back spot um they basically went four two four and like Komon, Mwani, um, Mbappe and Chiram were basically just kind of pressing four v four at the top of the pitch and it you know France were basically just keeping their their back four back and everyone else was kind of just running forwards and um, it was kind of overwhelming Argentina and I think they were quite lucky in a way that the extra time came when it did because they were kind of clinging on there especially with like seven minutes of extra time or something. I think Di Maria would. I don't think Di Maria was going to play the 90, was he? Um, I, I think perhaps bringing him off as early as, as he did was perhaps an indication of, I don't know, maybe Argentina taking their foot off the gas. And I think Deschamps might have seen that as as the opportunity to um, to, to maybe push a little bit harder. I think I thought Camavinga was excellent uh, when he came on. He's he played the second half in uh, one of Real Madrid's um, run to the Champions League final last year, and he was incredible in that. And I, th- I thought he would, he would like to be starting in this French side, um, having not realised what they were going to do with Griezmann. I was surprised they took Griezmann off when they did, but it turned out to be the right move. Yeah, he was um, poor Griezmann on the day. He was brilliant, great. brilliant World Cup, but I think he got a oh, three he... from L'Equipe, which is you know, <laughs> L'Equipe legendarily. Uh, not very kind with their player reviews, but he, even so, he did better. He did better than the referee, according to the keep. Yeah, he they gave was. they gave Giroud and uh, Dembele no rating at all as well, which was I thought was pretty funny. I mean, they, they were both terrible. To be fair, to be fair, I mean, this wasn't Giroud's kind of game, was it? I mean, they they took him off because they needed uh, Muani and Chiran to be pressing more, and and it took them a while to to, to really make much of a difference. I mean, to be fair to Griezmann. Up until the point he came off, nobody was playing well. No, absolutely. Um, Mbappe, yeah. Mbappe would have been on a three at that point. He'd, he'd been anonymous. anonymous he'd, been, yeah. he'd been absolutely terrible. And, you know, I, I think that the fact he ended up with a hat trick is a little bit of a, you know, it, it, he'll go down in history as being only the second man to score a, a hat trick in a World Cup final. But it's it doesn't really tell the whole story about his game, does it? And, and two of them are pens, you know, not to get into the yeah. whole Pessy and PR7 stuff. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, uh, but yeah, two of them were penalties. And so I think, you know, a lot of people reacted to Emmy Martinez's sort of, you know, celebrations by saying, what's this guy doing? He's just he conceded four goals to Mbappe, including the shootout. Um, but it's a bit like he got pretty near two of those penalties. And if he keeps one of those out, then... You know, I think, I, I think you may look at it differently. I, I think the whole penalty thing, particularly in a competition like this, I, I, 
like it takes real real balls to step up and take a, a penalty in that sort of environment I mean you know Harry Kane can attest to that the fact that he put both of them away as emphatically as he did um, tells you a lot about the kind of player that he is sure he didn't you know it, it, we'd have probably it'd probably go down as a as a as a better performance had all three goals come in open play but you're not going to say the one he did away, score in open but, play to be absolutely fair the oh, one he did score in open play was 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 unreal special yeah um yeah and, and he you know could have won it of course in uh in a dying minutes of normal time i mean if you look at the just the the live text of of injury time just it just lays out how many chances they had to actually win it and there's the one that martinez pulls out an absolute world-class save in order to oh, um, yeah to, to, to kind of keep them in it and that would have been mbappe as well um but i'm just actually looking through it now where you've got uh, otamendi blocks a shot mbappe has shot blocks i assume that's the same one they're just giving you the two angles on it uh, mbappe wins a corner martinez makes a save ravio has an attempt saved it's just constant and it was absolutely frantic and then they went out and did it again for another half an hour what i loved was the extra time it wasn't i mean this is the great thing about them getting rid of golden goal however many years ago now um is that you know neither team sat back in extra time like they both just went for it hell for leather and and that was as frantic as anything you know sort of you know um Messi scores you know his second and then and then suddenly it's like you know uh, France are going right back up the other end it, it was a absolutely absolutely bonkers game I did feel I mean with Martinez being in goal, as soon as Argentina got its penalties, I think I felt pretty certain that they'd they'd win the shootout just because of. I mean, I, I sort of said to you guys after the game, like Emmy Martinez is the best penalty shootout keeper I've ever seen. Mm. Um, you know, sort of, you know, I guess you had Bruce Grobelar in the early eighties, um, psych out a lot of people, and you know, you could look at Dudek in that Champions League final and. Um, you know, Tony Schumacher for Germany was pretty immaculate in shootouts, but but yeah, Emmy's just back to back done it in a Copa America and then a World Cup, um, as well as winning, you know, the kind of COVID FA Cup with Arsenal. So pretty uh pretty incredible performance overall from him. We haven't even talked about Messi yet. Well, yeah, I mean, where do you start? Uh he was brilliant in the first half absolutely brilliant and then again in extra time as well I think he he flagged a little bit in in the second half of normal time but came alive again in extra time like that moment where it was I think only maybe a minute before the shootout where he suddenly just got the ball down and smashed it from about 30 yards and um yeah you know Lloris had to smash it over the bar I mean that was if that had gone in and he'd won the if he'd won the world cup doing that can you imagine? Uh, I mean, it's amazing how there have been so many people who have said, well, this surely cements Messi's status as the greatest player to have played the game. I completely disagree. Like, I, I don't see how one game that could have, you know, it could have turned on any one of those pivotal moments uh, during the game. Like if one of those penalties doesn't get given, Martinez doesn't make that save in the dying the dying embers of the, of, of the match. Does it change what he's capable of as a player absolutely not like it, it, i don't know if he changes i well, heard somebody say i heard somebody say today that winning this world cup was his reward for <laughs> what he's done over the last however what is it 17 years rather than cementing his status as as 
the, one of the greatest or the greatest to play the game. You know, the thing is that all those arguments when you compare in players that are that good always rest on things that are always a little bit stupid, for, the, for, the, for lack of a better term. So the knock on him was always that he hadn't won it, and it was always going to be so. If you want to defend him, if you think if you think he is, and you want to defend him, then this has just chopped out the legs for the the stick that would always have been used to beat him. Um, and in that sense, I suppose if you're already inclined to think it, it has confirmed it. Uh, but it probably won't do a tremendous amount to win over anybody who thinks it's somebody else, because I, opinions tend to be pretty hardly set. I think the thing is that it, it's great for Messi because. Obviously, he grew up idolising Maradona. You know, his relationship with the Argentinian public has completely changed in the last two years, you know, really since the Copa America win. And, and there was that whole narrative for a while that they, they felt he was more Catalan than Argentinian and 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 all of that stuff. And what it what it does is it lifts Messi up alongside Maradona. I don't think for the Argentinian public anyone ever is going to be um you know kind of more lauded than maradona but it certainly puts him up there alongside him and he's kind of matched you know matched his hero's achievements uh, in willing his country to a to a world cup final victory so it does absolutely complete the set for him and obviously like you know when i was a very little kid maradona was at his you know at his peak and i still think I still do think if Maradona was playing in today's game uh, where you're not allowed to kick people, I'd, I mean, he'd have probably scored a million goals <laughs> just like Messi has. But what, but what Messi is, what Messi has had over someone like Maradona is longevity and consistency and, and basically no controversy either. Um, unless you count Barcelona's dodgy, dodgy finances kind of meaning that he had to leave there under a little bit of a cloud but he's got his own finances hasn't he um but but i think you know he he obviously has been at such a level for such a long time i mean his worst his first world cup was in 2006 and i watched back the crazy cambiasso goal from that world cup where you know messi's on the pitch for it and he you know one of the touches is his and you know, to think that was his first World Cup and here he is having lost in a World Cup final in 2014, having been in bad Argentina teams in 2018 and 20 um, and 2010. It's it's an incredible story. It is fairy tale to drag your team there in the way that he has and and to, and to sort of get them over the line and um, nerveless penalties from him as well. And, and the other thing is, remember, you know, Messi is has um has missed a decisive spot kick in a Copa America final. So I mean he's been through all the all the heartbreak associated with international tournaments. Um so I was just really pleased for him, you know, as much as anything else, seeing a great player like that finish well not actually he's not gonna retire, is he? But to finish his World Cup career at least with that achievement, I think is 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 wonderful. Because he did retire after that Copa America he did missed, didn't he so six years ago he, he, he retired he announced his retirement from international football so it, it's it is some st- i mean regardless of the fact of whether or not you're Lionel messi or not if anyone to do that it would have been it would have been some narrative some mm. some catharsis to 
to, to end the story that way, but for it to be messy and is is something else. I think as well it makes him whether or not he's the most beloved Argentinian was you know something that we'll only know twenty years after he's retired. But I think it makes him the most successful within the Copa America and the World Cup because I don't think any of the previous Copa America winning like stars ever won the World Cup, and I don't think the World Cup winning legends ever won the Copa. There was such a big gap between them, and it was dominated by Brazil for so long that. He's, you know, he's got that law applauded, uh, if nothing else. And again, it goes back to there's a lot of people who are ready to kind of crown him with these things and being the only, well, the only kind of South American since that 2002, 2004 kind of period to have done it. I mean, that's that's going to stand on a, on his resume, isn't it? Well, I mean, he could well win the Champions League for a fifth time this season. I mean, PS, PSG are looking like the favourites for that competition. So, I mean, it, nah. it, 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 I mean, it, that that would be pretty incredible for him to to, to win the World Cup of the Champions League in a in a single season. But I mean, you could I, be too successful, can't you? It's more yeah. of the Rovers stuff at this point. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, that thing a couple of years ago where he bought a Budweiser for every keeper. Basically, the amount of goals he'd score past each keeper, uh, they got a Budweiser with the number number goal in La Liga that it was. And I, I forget who it was, but there was one keeper that got about 50 bottles of Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the keepers were like sort of, you know, taking these publicity shots with them. It was a really lovely, lovely gesture. Um, but yeah, it, what, a, what an absolutely insane career. And you have to give loads of credit to Scaloni, I think, as the manager, because obviously he's a young manager He's kind of like the Argentinian Southgate in that he's never managed at a club level. I know Southgate did manage at Middlesbrough, but not very successfully. But he's never managed a club side. He's basically been, you know, in the kind of the system as an assistant coach with Argentina. He's got the main job. He played with Messi himself, I think. And for him to have, have developed that relationship with his star player to create the team around him because actually probably what Argentina hadn't done in the past in the way they did with Maradona is they didn't build the team around Messi it's like they had Messi and they also tried to shoehorn in Aguero, Higuain you know all their other really good players whereas this side they feel confident about you know Dybala being on the bench, Papu Gomez being on the bench etc because the side is built for Messi and that's why you've got Paul you know, McAllister, who was absolutely immense. Um, yeah, brilliant. You know, Fernandez, who is basically making Benfica about 100 million euros as we speak. Um, you know, those we, players we doing, you know, doing all of that running is is crazy. I mean, they absolutely gave Messi the platform to do what he does, which is just to kind of, you know, wander around in the pockets and find that space and 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 play in moments, um, which obviously uh, at the stage of his career that he's at, that's kind of what he has to do. He has to conserve his energy for the for the big moments. He's not sort of, you know, 2009 Messi anymore, uh, but he doesn't have to be because he can still in moments completely change a game. I suspect we're going to have to come back and talk a bit more about the legacy of this tournament in a week or two because there's already talk of changing the next World Cup and even in increasing the, the frequency that old chestnuts come back in the aftermath of the game. But it's not really what we want to do tonight because 
it's a, a big topic with uh, more to, more to kind of say on it. But so just to to wrap this one up, kind of some quick thoughts really on just how the tournament kind of crowned the World Cup as a whole, and you know what it kind of means in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, there's Messi, but beyond Messi and uh, and and that, uh, how it relates to one man, just more more generally, how what does this kind of mean going forward? I think if you take uh, if you take the location and you take the mad organization that runs the tournament out of it and you look at it as a purely sort of sporting endeavor i think it was an excellent tournament there was narrative all over the place there were upsets there were i think the fact that it was it was played at the time it was meant that you know certain teams adapted to that better than others there were some teams that you know came in perhaps slightly undercooked one of them being Qatar because none of them have played any competitive football for about five months there were a lot of teams who you know kind of kind of delivered what you thought they would because their team their players weren't as burnt out as they, they might normally be in the summer so that was a plus point um obviously the final was makes it sort of a perhaps a more memorable tournament than than others might be that have ended up in a bit of a damp squib so I, I think it was a it was a great tournament. I I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I enjoyed following it, um, especially at this sort of time of year when there's you can't really do much in this in the winter, can you? So might as well put the football on during the day. But there's obviously a lot of noise around sort of the political side of things and the the human rights issues and um, the, the migrant workers issues that you know FIFA have done absolutely everything they can to try and spin around and, and not make much of an issue of but I can't help thinking that that's not going away over the over the next couple of years and obviously the the talk that, that they've had over expanding the tournament and Infantino's come out today and said he wants to he wants to do the World Cup every three years now as opposed to Wenger wanting to do it every two years so yeah uh, as long as you stay away from that brilliant tournament question is can you really divorce yourself from all of that? I think World Cups um, are absolutely tied up in how you experience them to what's going on in your life at the time or, you know, how you're able to watch. Um, I think for me this time, you know, the group stage was really frustrating because, because you know, I was missing three games a day catching the fourth one when I when I got in from work and then watching the highlights of the three that I'd missed and you know it was kind of like you know somebody trying to avoid you know sort of spoilers on season five of Breaking Bad or something you know what I mean it was just this sort of uh it was quite a frustrating experience I think for me um then the knock but the knockout stage was 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 fantastic and um you know kind of made up for that 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 kind of slight frustration but but probably definitely yeah, definitely difficult with the times of day because I mean the Japan and South Korea. I mean I was at university then, so I mean that was kind of uh, that was easier to kind of deal with the six a.m. games and what have you. But um, yeah, this was uh, this was tricky in that sense. I think in terms of the narratives of the tournament, I talked to Maz a couple of weeks ago about how lots of great players coming to the end of the road, you know, and some of them really going one tournament too many. So you know, seeing Ronaldo and Suarez bow out and obviously they're quite divisive figures so how sorry you feel for them is probably you know 
an interesting question for, your, for yourself to uh, to go away and think about. But certainly some great players coming to the end of the road, some great teams coming to the end of the road, you know, the end of Belgium's golden generation, really, and, and really lots of kind of parallels to England 2010 with that side kind of going again, one tournament too far. But some great underdogs, you know, seeing Japan do their thing, seeing Morocco have an amazing tournament, seeing Croatia once again punch way above their weight given their population. So some some really some really great things. And football is genuinely now a global game. And the European teams and South America teams, they can't rely on on their heritage to see them through. And I think you're gonna see South Korea, Japan, the North African sides um, the West African sides. I think you're going to see them keep getting better. If USA can ever find themselves a striker, then you know they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, I thought Canada were tremendously unlucky in their first two games and uh, and could have done really really well. So yeah, some some really memorable football to be sure. Now obviously the next one isn't in a particularly controversial location. So hopefully FIFA's kind of dalliance with, you know, brown envelopes and so on that 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 happens before Russia and before Qatar, like hopefully we can see a better uh, a better governing body moving forwards and some changes made. Um the kind of dick measuring contest with UEFA, I find that very tedious. Like the only reason why you'd do a more regular World Cup would be to stomp all over the Euros which is what they're trying to do essentially in a way for, you know, some, but I think UEFA and Connor Bowl probably aren't going to have that. So it's just, it's just power at the end of the day, isn't it? And that is, that does leave a bad taste in the mouth, but no more so than the Premier League does, to be absolutely honest. No, Premier League uh, gives you plenty of reasons not to watch it, as does uh, FIFA a lot of the time. Uh, thankfully, um, like any World Cup, really, I don't think it, it's a surprise that quite often on the uh, the pitch, there was plenty that delivered. Uh, that's almost inevitable when you've got that many games and that much riding on it. Um, but yeah, we will leave that one there. And you notice that over the last few episodes, we haven't said an awful lot about England. Uh, we're going to do that in more detail in a couple of days' time. So do keep your eyes peeled for that. It'll be out soon. Uh, we'll head off now and uh, go and think about that one and relive how it all didn't come home. Till next time, take care. See you soon.